0: Welcome to the first episode of the second season of Listen Closely with John and Chris. I am Chris, out here on the West Coast. With me, as always, is John on the East Coast. John, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, we're back after a little summer hiatus for season two.
1: Do Do you prefer hiatus or do you prefer sabbatical?
0: Ooh. I kind of like, I mean, I feel like sabbatical is more of a work academic type thing. Yeah, that's true.
1: And that would allude to us being paid for the last four <laughs> weeks of doing nothing. And, you know, I, we haven't been. It's, At least not in relation to listen closely.
0: Right, right. It's true for all. You've been paid for all of your swarthy feelings. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's you know, right. Podcast. Well,
1: you know, back in my days as an arms dealer. Sure, it was. Uh, <laughs> sure.
0: Small scale. Small scale. Art. Small scale. Yeah,
1: yeah, very small scale. That, that market's fallen off a little bit since COVID. It's true. It's true.
0: One of the many economic <laughs> hits that we've taken.
1: Absolutely. But boy, oh boy, season two. I mean, holy holy cow. I, I didn't even think we'd make it through season one. And our off-season flew by. I mean, don't you think it flew by?
0: It sure did. It sure did. Um, did you do
1: anything good during the off-season?
0: You know, a little bit here and there, a little bit of the beach, um, you know, a little bit of a little bit of hiking, a little bit of swinging the old golf club for the first time in like 15 years. Wow. Yeah. But other than that, no. How about you?
1: Well, nothing that I'm going to share on the podcast, that's for sure. 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 (laughs) I'm joking, of course. Uh, Well, you know, a little bit of beach, a little bit of uh, relaxation, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of prep work. For season yeah. two of listen closely, and what a wow, what a season we have ahead of us, I have to tell We've you
0: got a, a very interesting, I would say diverse you know musically uh, lineup it's really I think it's going to be some interesting things
1: yeah we're, we're really going to hit our stride, I think, and uh, yeah' that's, that's really all I could say
0: yeah um. Nobody gonna take my stride. Nobody gonna slow us down, John. Oh no.
1: Got to keep on moving.
0: Yeah, Um, and the one the one we've got today, uh, this is I think a perfect way to kick off the fall. It's the ultimate. You know, you get to the end of summer, even though this summer has been probably the most bizarre summer in anyone's life, um, certainly in ours. uh, You know, it's still the end of summer. It's that fading joy of the sunny beach times and you get into the fall where, you know, the shit kind of hits the fan, you kind of get back to your real life. And I think we have the perfect album for that. We you, do. Want, you want to tell the listeners what we've got?
1: If you insist, sure. We have the, well, I, mean, I don't have enough adjectives or superlatives to describe it. So I'm just going to say it. from December, 1976, the album is Hotel California by the Eagles and this is truly start to finish an absolute masterpiece and you're you're right this is the perfect soundtrack to a strange summer that is quickly fading away the days are getting noticeably shorter the nights are getting cooler and uh you know i think this is the right this is the right album to open up season two and to kick off late summer early fall, with
0: absolutely, it's the ultimate. Uh, it's the ultimate dashed dreams, disillusionment. You know how we love disillusionment, John. Oh, I love
1: disillusionment. dashed dreams. I'm not going to lie. That sounded even better.
0: It's pretty cool because it's got alliteration too. It does. That's really nice. Nice yeah. work. <laughs>
1: now I know what you've been doing for the last four weeks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Four weeks, and all I've got is dash dreams. Um, yeah, at least
1: you don't have shattered dreams, you know. Johnny hates jazz, Johnny
0: hates jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. coming, uh, coming up in season two, Johnny hates jazz. Hey, listen, never say never, yeah. Uh, but yeah,
1: you're, you're right. I mean, this is uh, dash dreams, disillusionment. Um, it's It's a timeless album, and I think it's it seems so apropos for a, a summer that never quite was, and yeah. for really paying the price of excess, which I think uh, so many of us uh, are doing right now, in my opinion. I know I am
0: yeah, yeah, for sure i, I mean maybe I thought maybe we could uh start it off by you know. The idea, California is really an idea in this album, like the whole concept of California and Glenn Fry and Don Henley have, and the boys have, uh, have talked about that. What, what, was, what does California mean to you, you know, especially when you were younger and kind of your first impressions of it, you know, growing up on the East Coast, both of us, what does that symbolize to you? Well, it's
1: a, it was a mythical land really, especially as a kid you know, I've, I've been to California on a couple of different occasions, um, Southern California at that, uh, you know, I've never been to like Sacramento. I don't know why anyone would go. Um, <laughs> but, uh, with no, with all due respect to our you know, California listeners, sure, sure. um, but no, it was, it seemed like a land that was so far away and so polar opposite from, from Northeast living where we grew up. And I think that, uh, like I said it was just this mythical different land a a sort of jaded paradise I think and I think um, why it resonated with me or why the album resonated with me I think is the same way in which California lured the Eagles and so many artists before them and after them to the state you know Glenn Fry, the late Glenn Frey, would always start off each concert by saying, we're the Eagles from California. None of them were from California. They were a bunch of Midwestern boys, you know? Right. Um, but they were drawn to this land, and uh, it, it changed them. That's for sure. Now, what does California mean to you growing up?
0: Yeah, I think it's similar. I mean, it was such a far-off place growing up in Connecticut. You know, it, it was we only knew of it what we saw on tv or heard about in in songs and it was i think mythical is the right word it, it was this mythical magical place it, it seemed like the kind of place where you could go and like any troubles you had would just somehow go away um, you but
1: know maybe just temporarily do you ever get like like it would seem like they would go away for good but then the more you learn about what was going on out there they would come back tenfold and they'd come and back
0: to haunt you. That's what I mean. It seemed like when you were looking at it from afar, is like, man, if I just lived in California, life like, would be perfect. Um, but then exactly like you said, like, and what this album I think is about is that whole that whole notion that you can't, you know, you can't run away from your problems and that there's there's a lot of darkness behind uh you know, things that look mythical and magical on the outside sometimes. Um, yeah, I
1: think it's a, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of darkness behind it. And I think that it also is the sort of playground paradise that could prove to be one's undoing, one's yeah. unraveling. And, um, I, you know, the entire album, what I love about it is it's this sweeping, drug-fueled, melodic, and oftentimes melancholic ode to disillusionment, to dash dreams, as you said a few moments ago. And uh, the perils of excess and fame and how, you know, even when we've achieved everything we wanted or thought we wanted, we are always going to want for more or long for simple things. And in the end, we're 9 out of 10 times just going to screw it all up. And, um, you know, I don't want to get into the songs just yet, but I think it's very telling when you think about Chris, what, the, what is the last line that is sung on this album? Um, and I think it, it, it sums up the whole the whole experience. Do you know what it is? Is
0: it, a kiss. It goodbye.
1: Yeah, they call they call it paradise. I don't know why. You call someplace paradise, then kiss it goodbye. Yeah, and uh, I think that you know. Let's face it. You and I have discussed time and time again the the lyrical genius that Don Henley is, and uh, in that one line, he's he's not about their experience in California. He's not just saying it about the American dream. I think he's also sort of foreshadowing what's going to happen to the band. Um, it, because after they released this album, nothing was ever the same for the band. Rhea Meisner leaves a, a few months later. Um, the, the classic lineup of Hotel California never would play together again save for a few concerts that they did after the album was released. Um, And it it would take the Eagles another three years to write, record and release the follow-up to Hotel California and then by 1980, by the end of 1980, they're done. They hate each other and the whole experience just swallowed them up.
0: Right, right, yeah. I mean uh, you're right that you know this is the first album that that we get with uh with Joe Walsh and it's the last one with Randy Meisner. Um that's right. You know, and then the Eagles well there's two things. First off the sort of the the albums that have come out in this time period. We've we've talked about this time period a few times and you know, late 7 mid to late 70s America is a shit show. Um It is. You know possibly even more of a shit show than like America is today. I don't know. Um, it's a toss-up, sure. Yeah. But you've got, you know, the Vietnam War has fairly recently ended. Um you know there's gas crises, there's recession. Um
1: Watergate had just come and gone.
0: Watergate had just happened. You know, it, there's there's so much uh distrust and paranoia of government um, in America. And, you know, so I think this album rises out of a place of deep disenchantment with the American dream. Um,
1: that That's part of it. And I think that's the biggest part of it. I really do. And I think that's what makes the album so beautiful and, and poignant. Um, but I, I think we can't underestimate it also is the product of a band that would soon fall apart as I um, indicated a moment ago in regard to this lineup never playing together again, but also a band that sort of came to California as an optimistic group of young musicians and just got totally whacked out on drugs and to the point that they really started to hate one another. And, um, I, I love, uh, I don't know if you read the salacious tell-all memoir from 2008 that Don Felder wrote. And, you know, Don Felder was uh, the former guitarist for the Eagles who they unceremoniously fired from the band in 2001 despite him having written the music to their biggest hit hotel, California. Um, But there's a quote in, in the book in which I think he incredibly, uh, it summarizes incredibly the, the atmosphere and circumstances surrounding the band and the entire L.A. scene of the 1970s as they were writing and recording songs. Uh, and Felder writes, It was all about excess. Too much, too fast. Glenn spent a lot of time drinking long-necked buds or red wine. He prided himself on his appearance and preferred the mean, broody look with his trademark Mexican mustache to reel them in. Don, Sporting an Afro haircut, a gold chain, and shirts wide open so you could see his chest hair, had dated just about every L.A. model or actress on the circuit. Decadence led to ruthlessness, and ultimately a sense of paradise lost, a recurring lament in the songs that they wrote together.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: You know, in maybe... Like 2005, 2006, I sported an Afro of sorts and I had the gold chain and the shirts wide open so you could see my chest there. I did not, however, date any models or actresses, but I'm I'm no Don Henley, I guess.
0: No, and calling it an afro is really, uh, you know, it's a bit of a stretch. up, uh, Let's be honest. It was more of
1: a blowout,
0: I think, than an afro. <laughs> I mean, you had when I first met you when we were in second grade. You had something close to an afro, I'd say. Yeah,
1: you had, I did.
0: Good kind yeah, of that a, was, the Italian fro.
1: Yeah, that was the Ital fro. I mean, that was some wiry I mean, nappy craziness that I had going on. The I, the Southern Ital fro was was in yeah. full effect. Yeah. Um, so no, I was no Don Henley, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I always, I always saw myself more of a Glenn Frey type. Anyway, sure, with the sure, giant head. But um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I digress. So <laughs> the, the the Felder quote really is is amazing in the sense that he perfectly summarizes the inner workings of the band at the time. Uh, how Henley and Fry were, you know, each other's drinking buddies, and they were going out picking up women left and right and being total dirt bags, And in doing this, they sort of, I think, lost touch with reality and lost touch with the band and lost touch with who they were.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it sounds like that. I mean, they, you know, to this point, this is their fifth album and they've, they've definitely had some success. I mean, this comes on the heels of, uh, what, One of These Nights. Um, yes you know they've already had desperado they've had songs like on
1: the uh, border was uh, was a big album too yeah
0: yeah so you know they've had a lot of success and and this one really catapults them to a whole a whole new level and uh, i'm sure that that you know the bigger you get uh the bigger the egos get and the more internal fighting there is and um Yeah, I I think it is. It's a mix of what was going on in the world and what was going on in the band. And maybe that's why it's so good. It kind of channels both of those avenues.
1: It Uh, does. It does. And I think it, I mean, when you look at the albums that came out right around this same time, there was so much good music being released on both sides of the pond. Uh, And the fact that this album was as big as it was and sort of transcended almost everything else that was, was released right around the same time. I think it speaks volumes to, to the talent of the band, uh, the talented partnership of Henley and Fry and the others that were involved with the songwriting, but also I think just writing the, the right batch of songs in the right place at the right time, and I think there was a lot of that going on here.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and I believe... From what I read, I think this, this, in terms of U.S. sales, is the most sold album in the U.S. ever. Do you know if that... Can you fact check that? Are you...
1: It Well, I know that their, their greatest hits was the best-selling album of all time in the U.S., but I think this had, this had a different distinction in terms of... Um, I mean, now you're going to make me Google this, aren't you?
0: I thought it was, I thought Thriller sold more internationally, but uh, regardless, it's one of the, you know, top selling albums of all time. And, um, you know, I think it just has so much legs because it, you know, it's funny, even it definitely gets into these specifics about that era, but somehow it also, you know, these themes of disillusionment and these themes of the thing you want, not in the end being what you wanted, they're, they're kind of in a way universal too. So I think it really holds up well too. You know, you can kind of listen to this at any time since it was released and I think get something out of it.
1: You can, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, look, this album wasn't even released. We weren't even born rather when this album was released. Um, sure. And look how it's resonated with us. Uh, and you know, here we are 40 some odd years after the album. Was released. Yeah. So I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's a testament to, to the staying power of this album. You know, ironically, uh, the, the critical reception for the album when it was released, it was quite mixed. Mm. Um, in what was very much a mixed review at best, Rolling Stone magazine wrote that Hotel California showcases both the best and worst tendencies of Los Angeles situated rock and that Don Henley expresses well the weary disgust of a victim or observer of the region's luxurious excess. But that was pretty much the best thing they had to say about the album. Um, yet, in 2003, they ranked Hotel California number 37 in their top 500 albums of all time. I probably would go a little higher, but... Um, but uh, that's still quite impressive. And I think Billboard magazine had one of the better reviews and they said, uh, the casually beautiful, quietly intense, multi-level vocal harmonies and brilliant original songs that meld emotional, solid emotional words with lovely melody lines are all back and forth, keeping the eagles at the acne of acoustic, electric, soft rock. And, uh, The title track won the Grammy for record of the year.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I believe the, uh, the album itself uh, was nominated, right? And it, it was beaten out by rumors, which what a, what a race that is rumors in hotel, California. My God.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a tough one, but I, I don't know. I mean, rumors is amazing. And I love the whole backstory behind Rumors and the turmoil within the relationships in the band. But uh, for my money, I think Hotel California is a better album.
0: It's a tough call. That's a really tough call. Um, You know, one of the things uh, things I wanted to just touch on that I think is so amazing about this, I I love hotels. I know you do too. Oh, I do. You, You are one to frequent a hotel bar that you are not staying at. Um,
1: I I sure do.
0: There There is something magical about a good hotel. And it's just kind of the perfect setup for an album like this because, you know, a hotel, it kind of on the outside, it like lures you in, right? Like it seems like I go there, they've got restaurants, they're, you know, everything's going to be done for me. It's going to be wonderful. And you get in and sometimes it's... Uh, not as clean as you expected it's uh it's not everything you want but there's something about a hotel to me that is like so mysterious and inviting and just weird i mean you think of movies like the shining or (laughs) grand budapest hotel great movie um and there's something about it i think it's you know to me like a, a great opening track on an album it's kind of like somebody like welcoming and waving you into like this hotel or this building where it's like, come in, like see what we've got to show you. And, and this, I think it's one of the great, you know, all time opening tracks.
1: Oh, it is And just the imagery that they conjure up oh. the lyrics, you know, I mean, you, you really talk about just being transported to a time and place, you know, on a dark desert highway, cool wind in my hair, I always thought he said warm-smelling fajitas rising up through the air, which make, make me feel like I'm going to Chili's, which is fine. I'm good with that.
0: Sure. It's a different experience, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, man, you know, before we get into the picks, do you have, you have any other th- thoughts you want to add generally on this, uh, this album?
1: No, I mean, well, I do, but I, we would be here for three hours, uh,
0: honestly.
1: <laughs> I, there is so much to say about this album, and I, 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 I will say this much. Eagles are probably considered one of the best-selling American bands of all time, if not the best-selling American band of all time. But they've also been dumped on by critics and by people over the years who just don't like their brand of kind of, you know, Playing it safe, corporate rock, if you will, and you know the the acrimony behind the scenes and the the aggressive management by Irving Azoff and the firing of Felder and Henley with the fifteen year old ODing in his hot tub in nineteen eighty one. Like all this didn't help uh, much, but this is a damn good band and this is a very important band and um the body of work that the eagles produced in a short amount of time is incredible and i think this album captures a fantastic band at their absolute perfect zenith
0: yeah yeah no they're they're a little bit like the sandy koufax of uh music in that they weren't they weren't around all that long but man, what they put together in a short span was just mind-blowing. It really um, was. And, and one thing I wanted to mention, and this piggybacks on the idea that they've received tremendous accolades over the years and they've also gotten their fair share of, of criticism. Um, and that could be said of my co-host's relationship to the Eagles. Uh, throughout his life. What do you mean by that? (laughs) So, uh, for the listeners, (laughs) there was a long stretch, uh, I would say middle school or early high school, um, I don't know how far it went, where John loathed the Eagles. Uh, (laughs) One of his least favorite bands completely did not get how anyone could be on board with this band I think I remember specifically having a conversation about what a shitty song uh, (laughs) Desperado was. um, Just hated them. I mean, it wasn't just like it wasn't for you. It was like, you thought- It shouldn't be for anyone. Yeah, Um, and that goes on and on. And I was kind of, you know, I liked them generally. I didn't love them, but um, then one day, I'm not sure exactly if this is exactly how it went, but I'd like to think that I'm remembering this right. We're talking about who the greatest American rock bands are. And you were like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a tough call. I mean, but I, I think I gotta go with the Eagles. And I was like, what? What? Because <laughs> it had been some time since we talked about the Eagles. And you said, yeah, you know, I've been, I've been listening to the Eagles and uh, you did a complete 180. I and, think. you know, you, uh, you owned it. You said, uh, you know, I was wrong. Um, but the, the f- flipping of the switch was so dramatic. Uh, it, was, it was incredible. It's a little bit like what would later happen to me with Stone Temple Pilots. Um, right. But, yeah, you went from loathing them to thinking that, you know, possibly the greatest American rock band.
1: <laughs> no, it's not possibly. They are the greatest American rock band. And, and they're in my probably top three. Bands of all time now. It's, it's the weirdest thing. You're absolutely right. There was, I, I detested anything that had to do with these guys. I, I hated the way they looked with their flannel shirts and their long hair. Like they looked like they needed a shower. And um, I don't know, somewhere along the way, in my like late 20s, maybe it was just maturity, or maybe I was, you know, I think I might have been living a life of excess. Uh, too much drinking, too many women—who knows? And uh, maybe the the themes of of Paradise Lost, although I never really had Paradise Found. <laughs> but 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 you know what I'm getting at. There yeah. there is a as you get a little older, you yearn for simpler times, for simpler things, and there's a simplicity to their music uh, that. I think started to resonate with me in my late twenties, in my early thirties and beyond.
0: Yeah. Would you say, so you'd say it was, was it after college that it really started to appeal to you or?
1: Yeah, I could tell you exactly. I was in my, uh, yeah, I was, I'm going to say I was about 27 okay. and that they, sh- remember. Yeah, they showed on, um, they showed on, on TV one night an Eagles concert from like 2003 or 2004. And I stayed up late. I watched the whole damn thing, and I went in the next morning. One of my coworkers, this woman in her sixties, she's like, "You're really tired. You have a rough night." And I'm like, "You know, I'd love to tell you I went out and had a crazy, wild time, but uh, I'll be honest with you, I just watched uh, I watched an Eagles concert, and I was hooked. I loved every minute of it. I couldn't get enough. And she looked at me, and she goes, she just goes you're getting older. That's what it is.
0: <laughs> and
1: that, that was that, man.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I, I just, I love that. And I love having witnessed the, the uh, it wasn't even, I would say evolution, but it wasn't an evolution as much as it was just a flipping of a switch. I, um, and I later had the same thing with you with Stone Temple Pilots where I just could not, do you remember this? I, I couldn't stand them. I did not understand what anyone saw and you really, you really liked them and you kept telling me, no, it's, it's really good, listen to it again. One day Stone Temple Pilots came on the radio and I was like, oh yeah, no, John's right, 100%, this is great.
1: Arguably arguably the best American band to come out of the 1990s, Stone Temple
0: Pilots, I think. They're great. I'm so
1: glad you warmed up to them eventually, I really am. It's,
0: um, just, it's so funny with music how that can happen. You, you know, you can- It is. It's like your taste buds change all of a sudden. It's
1: like, it's like food. There's there's certain food items that I eat now that I wouldn't have touched five, yeah. ten years ago. Yeah. And my goal by the time that we've, you know, made it through every single season of listening closely with John and Chris, my goal is to make you a procol
0: harem fan. <laughs> I have some there must I must have endured something traumatic as a child while Whiter Shade of Pale was playing. Because I can I can sort of I don't.
1: I don't even want to get into it right
0: now. <laughs> I can look at it and say, like, I get it that 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 should theoretically be a really good song, but I just, I just can't do it. It just disturbs the hell out of me. I don't know why.
1: Well, anyway, I don't want to get into that <laughs> right now because that's going to make me angry because you know how much I love that song.
0: I know, I know. It's a great band name though, Procol Harem. I, I don't know what it means. Anyway, let's get on to the picks here.
1: Let's get on to the picks here.
0: Okay. So as always, we'll start with the Nadir. Uh, Mm. As much as we have just spent the last 20 to 30 minutes praising this album, there's always a low point. And um, I'm very curious to know what you think it is on Hotel California.
1: Well, let, me, let me say this. There's really not a bad song on this album at all. I like every single song on this album. I really do. But if Irving Azoff put a gun to my head and it demanded that <laughs> I give him an adir, I would have to go with Try and Love Again. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I don't think it's a bad song. I just think it doesn't fit. And it sort of, in my opinion, showcases how detached Randy Meisner, who was a founding member of the Eagles, was becoming from the rest of the group. You know, he was such an important member of the band. Let's not forget that he sang lead on one of their absolute greatest songs, Take It to the Limit. Um, And his backing vocals on songs like Lion Eyes or Saturday Night or um, Take It Easy really were kind of like the, the secret weapon to the band, but on this album and on this song, I think he's kind of phoning it in and he's just kind of, he just seems kind of lost. And I think his role in the band at this point was significantly diminished by Glenn Fry and Don Henley in their sort of increased control over the songwriting and the production. So again, not a bad song, but pales by comparison to the rest of the album.
0: Interesting, see, I, I really like that one as a deeper, deeper cut. Um, you know I agree it certainly isn't like one of the top songs on the album but uh, I don't know I feel like it fits pretty well. You, so you think it so, stylistically doesn't quite fit as well?
1: Yeah I do. I think stylistically it doesn't quite fit as well and I think as beautiful as a, as a, of a, of a voice that Meisner had, mm-hmm. it really did have a spectacular voice it just seems strange. It seems out of place hearing him sing a song after you have almost every other song on the album sung by Don Henley. It just didn't seem right to me. Okay. All right. Uh, so I'm guessing this wasn't your Nadir?
0: It wasn't. I, I, I mean, I really struggled because I agree with you. I, I think they're all good songs. Um, but I went with... Uh, this, This is, I I believe, one of the singles off this album. Um, One of the more popular songs, but I just don't get into it that much. Life in the Fast Lane. Wow. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, There's something about it. I think it's fine as a song, Um, but there's something, you know, you start with Hotel California, you roll right into New Kid in Town, which is tremendous. Um, there's something then like really jarring to go from those songs to life in the fast lane to me. Um, I kind of feel like what you're saying about trying love again. I I almost feel like it doesn't either it doesn't fit or there needs to be something in there between new kid in town and that, um, I just find it really jarring. And then you go back to Wasted time, which is, you know, another one that's, much slower, kind of brooding um, so on that first you know what was the first side of the album is those four songs, uh, there's something about it that just kind of like it, it just it just jars me.
1: I think that's the whole point of it, though, don't you? I mean, they, they brought Joe Walsh in to the band because they wanted to be, the band to get a harder rock edge, and the whole opening guitar riff as I say, as I think you know, it was just Joe Walsh doing a warm-up exercise um before like a studio rehearsal and Glenn Fry looked at him and goes, Oh, wait a minute, what was that? And he goes, Oh, it's just a warm-up that I do. And he goes, No, we gotta use that in a song. Um so yeah. I think that, I get what you're saying. It's a little heavier than than a lot of the other stuff on the album, but I think that's kind of what they wanted. Um and let's face it, the the content, the lyrical content of the song is pretty much right on the money for what this album's about, right?
0: Well, I get that, yeah. And you definitely need, you know, there is this kind of build, um, you know, where you're going from life in the fast lane with all the sort of excess, you know, and then it takes you down to wasted time, which is like kind of a hangover. Uh, right. But to me, I, I just feel like, it's a little too, too quick of a transition or something. I just feel like there should be something else in there. And again, I'm kind of like, it's such a great album that I, I'm a little bit grasping at straws here, but I, I do think there's something, <clears throat> something to it.
1: Um, I really thought you were going to go with Try and Love Again as, as your name. No,
0: no, I, I like Try and Love Again, I do. Interesting. Interesting. Um, wow, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering if we have the same sleeper, though. I'm curious what you picked for your sleeper. This is the... I
1: would bet you my Procol Harum collection that we do not.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Well, what do you got? What do you got for your sleeper?
1: All right. So this was hard. Um, and I sort of strayed a little bit from what the typical example of a sleeper is or has been okay. during season one, at least. Listen closely. So bear with me on this. I chose New Kid in Town as my sleeper.
0: I want a Grammy.
1: I know. I know. (laughs) Okay. It's not a a sleeper in the typical sense.
0: Okay. Um, You said that. My my fault. Okay.
1: But to me, it was a sleeper. Hear me out. For years, I never really liked this song. I mean, as you pointed out kindly, I never really liked the band for years. But even after I warmed up to the band, I never understood why this song was so successful when you compare it to their other hit singles that came before tequila sunrise lion eyes take it to the limit one of these nights desperado take it easy go on and on uh this song just doesn't seem to be quite as accessible or quite as enjoyable on the surface for the longest time it felt to me like a song that never quite takes off and just kind of stalls out it, that's honestly how i felt i remember thinking how is this song so popular? In a word, it was boring to me. Yeah, yeah, okay. Then a few years ago, it hit me. It starts off slow, but there's a moment about when it all comes together, not only does it come together, but it comes together beautifully. And it's that Fry Henley vocal harmony on the line, you look in her eyes, the music begins to play. Hopeless romantics, here we go again. And from that point on, the song starts to kick into high gear, and it's as though Henley's backing vocals really save the song from just being run-of-the-mill filler. And I guess then for me, it's a sleeper in that sense because even though it's one of the most recognizable songs in the album, it's one that I skipped over all the time, and it's one that I've only truly embraced over the last few years.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great song. It's a great song. Oh, it is.
1: But I wouldn't have told you that ten years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. And it you're yeah, it I think there is something sleeperish about it and it does kind of sneak up on you. I mean it um it doesn't, I think, grab you right away in the way that a lot of their other songs do. Um I, I don't think I even I mean I'm sure I heard it, but I wasn't really familiar with this song until i don't know the last 10 years um you know cuz you just didn't hear it as much on the radio um as some of their other hits even though it did win a grammy it did
1: oh, i know it's
0: amazing yeah. okay so what did you go with so i went with one that i think is not it's not really a sleeper to us because we we know it well but i think more generally it's considered a bit of a deeper cut on the album and that's uh, a song not sung by by Fry or Henley, a song sung by Joe Walsh. Mm-hmm. Pretty maids all in a row. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah. It this is a great song. It's it's this very smooth melodic um, tale. Uh, it it has these hints of like. Uh, you know, kind of lost chances, lost opportunities. Um, It has that beautiful, just the, ooh, at the end, the harmonies, Um, just a beautiful song with some, some undercurrents of pain, I think.
1: I couldn't have said it better.
0: You know, it's these two old uh, lovers, I think, kind of coming back together and, you know, there's a lot of like what might've been and and all of that. so I love it, love it. Nice, quiet, peaceful song, um, really good stuff.
1: It's a beautiful, beautiful
0: song. Yeah. Um, there is that extremely creepy video that we once saw, right? On,
1: yeah, but you can't judge the song by a YouTube video someone no, put together.
0: No, I'm, that, I'm saying, I, and clearly, you know, this is not the video for the song, but it was a, uh, yeah, somebody put together a, a video to this it was a
1: montage of like teenage Hollywood starlets from like 2007.
0: Yeah, and I thought like even like non-teenage Hollywood star, just like... Oh, Good-looking <laughs> oh, 17-year-olds. My, yeah, I have all this footage of like random 15-year-old girls. Uh,
1: you know, incidentally, I tried to look for that video as we were preparing for this because I knew you were going to bring it up. I couldn't find it,
0: sadly. Oh, it's been yeah probably taken down. <laughs> yeah, probably. Trafficking violations. Um,
1: well, anyway, if it was a Henley or Fry composition, you know Irving Azoff would have taken that shit down right away. But because it's a Joe Walsh composition, it was fine.
0: Yeah, no, and, and I forgot to mention that. I mean, he he wrote this, um, this one. This is kind of Joe Walsh's baby. Uh, he wrote it, I believe, with Joe Vitale, who's Joe Vitale, a-
1: who's a drummer, uh, not for the Eagles, obviously, but played with a variety of different bands. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, they knocked it out of the park. They really Uh, did. So now we get to the big moment and I feel like I I know where you're going to go.
1: I think you do know where I'm going to go. And so the Zenith,
0: Zenith. your Zenith, what's the high point of the album for you?
1: So very difficult choice because the whole album's a goddamn Zenith. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Last Resort is probably the best song on the album, and Wasted Time is definitely my favorite song on the album, probably my favorite Eagle song. Mm. But I ultimately ended up going with a specific moment in a song. Ooh. And this album is filled with moments. Um and that moment, you just referred to, it's the point from about two minutes and thirty seconds into Pretty Maids All in a Row, straight up until the end of the song. That to me is the most beautiful moment on a beautiful album and props to the crazy, insane, but wonderful Joe Walsh. The second he sings that line, the storybook comes to a close, gone are the ribbons and bows, things to remember, places to go, pretty maids all in a row. It's beautiful. And then when Henley Fry and I think Meisner chime in with the, what you mentioned, Chris, that, that beautiful and haunting vocal harmony outro layered with, with Walsh playing the slide guitar. Oh man, it's touching. It's poignant that brief minute or so to me, perfectly encapsulates the feel and sentiment of this album, the loss of innocence, the time of change. And it's also the sound of both the easy and breezy summer and just time in general, slipping away right as you listen at that moment. Um, again, very difficult decision. Uh, but I, when, I, when that song comes up uh, on the radio or, or you know, when I had it on my, my MP3 player, I would go back and I would just repeat that outro over and over and over again. It is absolutely beautiful. And, you know, there was an interview a couple months ago with Bob Dylan. And he was quoted as saying, pretty maids all in a row. That could be one of the best songs ever. Wow. So there you go. There's my zenith.
0: That's such a great zenith. I I wouldn't have thought to do something like that, but that's you're right. Is is. that cheating? Did I cheat? No, that's hey, that's why we kept the zenith open-ended. This is this is we don't play by the rules here. Listen close. No, we
1: don't. We make them up as we go along. (laughs) Um, but you see what I mean, right? That 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 ninety seconds of just you know, those Henley and Fry Henley, in particular, you hear his voice going up yeah. and and Joe Walsh, with that, that slide guitar, and it's just hypnotic and repetitive. it has got to be one of the most beautiful outros in rock music.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it is, and I man. and that that's just magic, you know, when you can get you know, I know you said from like the two minute on mark to the end i mean you can probably take even just a shorter clip of that and just put it on repeat and you know it's amazing it's to create something that that perfect is uh that's why we listen to music
1: that's why we listen to music it it gets me every time especially this time of year like i said it, it really adds to the sense of time slipping away of summer slipping away and getting older and oh Jesus now I'm gonna start crying right uh,
0: it's so it's so nostalgic and it's so, yeah it's, <laughs> it's hard to listen to that without kind of getting a little choked up yeah
1: all this from the guy in the band who's the batshit crazy one
0: <laughs> is he batshit crazy
1: well he, they thought he was I mean he had the you know he was he did more drugs than all of them combined he trashed uh, sure, hotel rooms sure. and yet he brings to the table this beautiful ballad this meditation if you will on on loss of innocence on getting older
0: yeah amazing yeah well that's a great pick great pick Um, but
1: but enough about mine let's hear about your zenith.
0: um yeah i so i went i thought you were gonna go with wasted time
1: i thought i was too
0: yeah and and that's a that would be a good choice to me there's if you're gonna go with songs which i did I think I've. There's, it came down to three songs for me. There's the title track, which is brilliant. A little, yeah, I mean, I've heard it so many times. It's Overplayed, cool. sure. Yeah. Um, and then it comes down to Wasted Time and The Last Resort. Yeah. Um, and they're both brilliant. Um, you throw in the fact that Wasted Time has a reprise or a reprise, which oh, is I, I just, love we haven't talked about that yet. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> you were going to get to that? Okay. Yeah. Um, But yeah, for me, my favorite is The Last Resort. I I love that song. And I think it's an amazing song. It's such a good song to end with. You know, it's like a 7 minute and 20 second long song, which you wouldn't think would be a good idea. Um, But it's so good. It's so well written. Uh, You know, it's very political, um, which I I tend not to gravitate towards that stuff. I mean, we've, many a conversation about how like with Bono like we like Bono's you know kind of non-political music more than we like it when he starts waving the flag and all that but um for whatever reason you know it doesn't it doesn't bug me in this one because i think it's he's touching you know it's less political than it is more just about human nature and uh um you know it has this slow build and it has that that flip at the end um you know where he kind of plays on uh, plays on the idea of calling it paradise um and you mentioned line in the beginning you know he's talking about people coming to a land and colonizing it and sort of destroying it and um you know building their churches and doing it all in the name of god and
1: Um, And yet there are a bunch of overprivileged assholes who are doing this, right? Like I, I, what's, what's the line in the song that I absolutely love? It's, um, um, oh boy, what it'll, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank
0: here, but there's,
1: oh yeah. Somebody laid the mountains low while the town got high.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, you know, in the, in, the people in the church you know singing their praises up to paradise to heaven and and that just brilliant dagger at the end you know they call it paradise i don't know why you call someplace paradise kiss it goodbye um just that idea that the you know this sort of magical beautiful places that you hear of the kind of isolated nature havens you know once people find out about them they just descend on it and uh and ruin it Um, they
1: use lahaina uh hawaii as the example in the song
0: exactly exactly
1: um you know in an interview i read once uh glenn fry referred to the last resort as don henley's opus
0: yeah yeah i mean this was his you know this was definitely his baby and. I just think it's it's one of my favorite songs ever. Um,
1: it's an incredible song,
0: beautiful musically, you know, beautiful lyrically. Um, yeah,
1: and that beautiful moment where it sort of it starts to build, it starts to build, then it breaks away, and you have that kind of baby piano sound, like it almost sounds like a toy piano. Um, yeah. you, you know the part I'm referring to, and I actually think that's Joe Walsh on the piano. Is it? Um, and- yeah, and Henley comes in pitch perfect. You know, a blend of I think chest voice and head voice, and he, that's where he comes in with the whole. And, and you can leave it all behind and sail to Lahaina. And just it's just this beautiful imagery that that sends shivers up and down my spine.
0: That's, that's my favorite part, you know, that, that little break there because, you know, it's sort of building. And he's talking a lot of, about a lot of bad stuff, but it's all kind of in the context of like, this is progress and we're building beautiful new places and things. And, and then it has that break and it's kind of like, no, now I'm going to tell you what this really is all about. Um, and there's, there's, there's some strings in there that to me always almost sound like seagulls. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs)
1: Absolutely, I've felt that for years.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that that? And it just adds to this idea of like, you know, some kind of uh, tropical island, you know, that's that's just being, this gorgeous place that's being ruined and the birds are flying away. And uh, you're right, that piano though, it's just haunting. And then he just, Crushes it in that last verse. It's amazing.
1: Absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah. Um, well, you know, one of the—I uh, think I'm going to—I know, know the answer to this, but we always talk about d- does an album capture the zeitgeist of the era um, that it's from? What would you say on this one?
1: It doesn't simply capture it. I think it helps define it. Mm. I really do. This this album really defined a certain. Zeitgeist of uh mid seventies excess and remorse and loss of innocence, both uh you know, the on the level of the band themselves, on the level of the rock music scene, and on the level of just where America was in nineteen seventy-six.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh no, I think of of all the albums we've done, I mean, this could be the one that most captures the the zeitgeist. Um, i agree yeah what uh any any personal we've talked a lot about them but any other personal reflections connections pop culture
1: you know there's there's so many Hmm. i jog my memory the one that came to mind was the trip i made to florida in december of 2004 actually uh for a long weekend just before christmas Um, And I was flying on Delta Song. I don't know if you remember Delta Song. It was like Delta's answer to JetBlue. Mm
0: -hmm. Like,
1: you know, it was very interactive. You could play games. You could watch movies. The stewardesses, like, would would have this silly dance they would do. It was really bizarre. Mm -hmm. Um, But they had, uh, at your seat, they had MP3s. And you could program MP3s that you could listen to for the entire duration of the flight. Um, so my Eagles obsession hadn't really kicked into high gear just yet. I was still getting to know some of the deeper cuts. Um, and I added the entire hotel California album to my MP3 playlist as I was flying from LaGuardia to, to Florida. And Chris, as we were beginning our descent into Fort Lauderdale on like a picture perfect afternoon, I was probably landing around like 1130 in the morning or noon um, the wasted time reprise, reprise, if you will, uh, started to play. And I just remember listening to those strings and how they reached their crescendo. And I'm looking out at the window over the Atlantic Ocean and, you know, the the beautiful beaches that sort of line the Southeast Florida coast. The water looked beautiful. The song provided the perfect soundtrack to that moment. And in some ways, that entire weekend, I mean, I wouldn't call the weekend wasted time, but I was certainly wasted much of the time I was down in South Beach uh, for, those, for those few nights. So that's, that's my moment. Wow. How about you?
0: That, I just want to say that the wasted time doing the, the reprise, um, it's just such a great example of not letting the listener off the hook. You know, you go through wasted time, which is this really intense emotional song, and you get through it, and you're like, Whew, all right, you know, let's give me some more life in the fast lane or something. And, uh, exactly. and then they hit you with the reprise and on the, on the actual album, the reprise starts, uh, the waste of time ends side one, the reprise starts side two. So I, I feel like it has this effect of, you know, you finish side one, you're like, whew, all right, let's, uh, let's loosen it up. And then you put on side two and it's, you know, this like heart wrenching string reprise. Uh, it's, you know, they, they and, didn't pull any punches on this album.
1: And I should say, I love how it kicks right into Victim of Love right after the, the strings.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great song. Um, so your moment? For me, for me <laughs> there's two things. One of which goes back to Last Resort. I really listened closely to the first time to Last Resort, probably like, I'm going to say it was about 2005, 2006, which was... Also, at the height of my lost obsession, which you may remember,
1: the, the the ABC series,
0: the ABC series, yeah, which I loved. I know you know, it spiraled a little out of control in later seasons, but um, this was in the first couple seasons, which were phenomenal, and they take place, of course, on this magical, nearly uninhabited island <laughs> that this plane crashes on. And there was something, I'm telling you, if, you ever, if anyone out there is ever going to watch Lost, listen to Last Resort while you're watching the first couple seasons of Lost and uh, it'll take it up to 11. Wow. It's just perfect. But wow. the other thing I wanted to mention, one of the most bizarre things I think I've ever seen, this was the early 2000s. Um, I had been in New York. I was seeing The Daily Show with a friend and we were coming back and we, we were going to hop on the subway um, you know, somewhere in midtown, you go down the stairs and there's always performers, you know, (laughs) uh, and music in this subway station, there was a big cardboard cutout of a castle. And there was a puppeteer who was behind this castle with two puppets. One was like a princess and one was sort of a monster. And he was acting out this elaborate story to Hotel California, the song. <laughs> so that the the beast was kind of serenading the princess puppet and chasing her around the castle singing Hotel California. Uh, and it was incredibly surreal and oddly powerful. Uh, um, but I'll never forget that.
1: Did, did the princess try to Stab him with the steely knife, but he just couldn't kill the beast.
0: It's very—I think that was probably part of it, right? I mean, how could you do? <laughs> <laughs> wow,
1: yeah,
0: it was insane. I've tried to find it on YouTube, you know, thinking maybe somebody somebody uh, filmed it at some point, but probably too. Well, well I'm,
1: I'm sure it got posted on YouTube, but I we know that Azoff and Don Henley took that shit down.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh well. Finally, album. Would you say, John, that this is a perfect album?
1: Yeah, this is as perfect an album as as I think we will um, tackle here on Listen Closely. I really do. How about you?
0: I do. I mean, my little quibble with Life in the Fast Lane notwithstanding, that's small potatoes. This is is iconic. It's perfect. Wouldn't change a thing.
1: And what a way to start season two.
0: Absolutely. We're going to have some great stuff coming up. Um, You can find us on Twitter, at podcastclosely. Um, you know, and please, wherever you're listening, if you get a chance, I know this is such a podcast cliche, but if you can rate us, give a review, um, you know, and let us know any, any feedback you have, we would greatly appreciate it. Tell your friends, tell your parents. Yeah. Well, John, it is good to be back. Uh, this was... Great to be back. This was exceptional, and uh, I'll see you next week. Stay tuned. See you next week. Bye-bye. back.